0: And I really look forward to seeing you there. That web address one last time slash AMA. Support for this podcast comes from ESIX. For 25 years, ESIX has been the preeminent peer networking and independent information source for corporate executive recruiting leaders worldwide. Featuring members from around 100 of the leading employers in the world, it is the one-stop shop for trusted networking with peers, for benchmarking and for team development. Find out more about membership at www.esix.org. That's www.esix.org. And esix is spelled E-S-I-X. Or buy their book, Leadership Recruiting, on Amazon been more of scientific discovery, more of technical advancement and material progress in your lifetime and mine, than in all the ages of history. Hi everyone, this is Matt Alder. Welcome to episode 362 of the Recruiting Future podcast. I'm publishing this episode the week of Women in Engineering Day. Skill shortages in STEM professions continue to be a big problem for many employers, and diversity is also a significant issue. However, research shows that there is a diverse and highly qualified workforce of STEM professionals who are currently struggling to return to work after a career break. So why is this the case, and what should talent acquisition professionals do to address the situation? My guest this week is Natalie Desty, founder and director of STEM Returners. STEM Returners is a program to help employers recruit, develop and retain the best available talent and to enable highly qualified and experienced candidates to restart their careers. Natalie has some excellent insights and advice to share. Hi, Natalie, and welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much. An absolute pleasure to have you on the show. Could you just introduce yourself and tell us what you do?
1: Yeah, of course. So I'm Natalie Desti and I run a company called STEM Returners. So STEM Returners is all about returning people after a career break, obviously within the STEM industries.
0: Fantastic stuff. And tell us a little bit about your story and and how the company started.
1: Okay. So I spent 12 years in recruitment, actually, prior to starting STEM Returners uh, as a director for um, a business um, operating in Maritime. So, I I knew the recruitment sector well, and I knew there was an issue within um, people trying to return after a career break. So, I started doing a lot of work with Women's Engineering Society. And because I was in Maritime, the Institute of Marine Engineering Science and Technology, and just started becoming really interested in why certain people were struggling through standard recruitment channels. So, Alongside that role, I was also and still am people program chair of something called UK Nest, which oversees the UK naval defence industry. And at that point, we were looking at um, ways that we could increase diversity within naval engineering, which, believe it or not, is even worse than standard engineering. So, females in engineering, as an example, depending on what report you read, are ten to twelve percent in naval. Then more, more like five percent. So we we're looking at that, um, but also kind of these these advanced skills gaps and how we could. Bring people uh, different different applications through. So, I created a returners program as a pilot for a gr- those those organisations. So, organisations like BA Systems and Babcock. We created a pilot in 2017. It was really, really successful and we just kind of started doing more pilots and STEM Returners organically grew from there. So other companies saw what we were doing and then STEM Returners became a company in its own right.
0: Fantastic stuff. And I want to kind of dive into what you do a a little bit more, but before we do, you've just done a piece of research into sort of this particular industry. Tell us about the research and how it came about.
1: Okay. So... We know that there's an issue with people returning. And obviously, we work with a huge amount of, of returners. So, we've got about 4,500 returners who are registered with us and, and currently looking. So, we knew that there was an issue, but I guess we wanted to quantify it a little bit and really kind of be able to, to say to industry, there's there's a real problem here. So, what we did is, is ask those returners who were uh, either had currently or recently returned to our some of our host companies that we're working with, or we're still trying to return and, and really trying to understand from their perspective what the barriers were so that hopefully, you know, us and other organisations within STEM could start removing some of those barriers and making it easier.
0: Interesting stuff. So talk us through the industry a little bit more. What are the issues in terms of recruiting and, and what are the issues in terms of people returning to STEM?
1: Well, there's a, there's a massive skills gap, particularly within engineering. And, and that's quite well documented um, by the Royal Academy of Engineering, the IET, all of the kind of um, you know big professional engineering institutes recognise the problem, as do the companies working within engineering realise that is, you know, some of their roles, they, they they just cannot fill or or they stay open for six, 12 months with, with no applications. With returners, the barriers of them returning are genuinely insurmountable. These people apply for hundreds of vacancies and never even see, receive a response. So, you know, and, and the key issue here is these returners are being filtered out at the initial stages. So they're not actually ever hitting the hiring manager's desk. So these people are, you know, trying to return, not being successful. And I think, you know, I think the key reason, Matt, is they're being compared to candidates without a career break. So, you know, if if you're a hiring manager and you have five CVs to review, four don't have a career break and one does, that person, you know, viewed as potentially having out-of-date skills, they kind of get filtered out of the process at the initial stages, so that's that's one issue. Another issue is a, a huge lack of diversity in STEM. You know, and interestingly, it's those diverse candidates that are getting filtered out. You know, the high majority of returners, I think when we surveyed, 51 percent of returners were female, which bearing in mind 10 percent of engineers are female is obviously much higher proportion of, of, um, of females. And 38 percent were from ethnic minority backgrounds. Ethnic minority background candidates working in engineering is six percent. So you know you can see that actually that re- that returner talent pool is incredibly diverse
0: kind of sounds like a no-brainer and it's interesting that you've done sort of so much research into what's going on. I suppose to sort of go through research a little bit and shine a bit more light on this for, for, for people, what were the reasons that people are, are taking career breaks?
1: So there's lots and, and what I always say is there's no such thing as a standard returner and people take career breaks for all different reasons but interestingly we found in the research only 12% of people have taken a break for, for what they deemed as a personal uh, choice essentially you know, travel the world or something so the the key reasons people take breaks are a big one and probably the biggest is childcare or caring responsibilities so um you know actually I think the term carers sums it up much more than than kind of maternity leave because you know it's, it's not just child care it's um it's it's often elderly care as well or or ill um ill relatives so I think carers is is a, is a large group Health is another big one, you know, particularly long-term health. We have a lot of people returning after um, beating cancer and 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 similar things like that. Uh, Also, mental health. You know, actually, we we see, um, you know, quite previous high-level executives who 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 are returning after mental health. Um, Redundancy is another really big one, and that's been hugely impacted with COVID. So the amount of people, obviously, who have been made redundant as, uh, you know, certainly within certain sectors has increased hugely. And another big one is relocation. So, you know, we work with candidates. We work with lots of different um, avenues to find these candidates. We work with a lot of charities, things like refugee charities as well. And we find that people trying to transfer their skills from other countries find it almost impossible you know and we're talking about a bridge engineer you know a bridge engineer who has experience of building a bridge in another part of the world can't transfer those skills to the UK even though the bridges are pretty similar so um you know it's just it's just it's really difficult to understand why it's so difficult for these people and they have you know software engineers is a good example and um, the software that they're using is the same but they've been doing it in another country yet find it absolutely impossible to transfer transfer that here
0: so we're talking about a group of highly skilled diverse people who are trying to get back into an industry that has massive skill shortages and a huge problem with a huge problem with diversity as someone who's a who's a recruiter yourself what are the issues that people have in the recruit process and what sort of perceptions did, did a recruiter's is having is it is it recruiters that are the problem is it the process that's the problem what are you seeing
1: i think there's a there's a few things but what we tend to see most of the time is returners are being filtered out at application stage and had a really good example of this with um the first company we we ever worked with so i was working with um a single mum, so she'd taken a five-year career break Uh, to raise her child and um, her skills before that she was in naval architecture which is a very specific um skill short um area and obviously she was a female candidate so she was one of that eight to ten percent as well and um she wanted to apply for a a partner organization that we were working with and she said natalie there's no point me applying i've applied for that company three times a i'm going to look like a stalker and b they just aren't interested in me and I and I said, to you know, I, I'm sure there's there's something going on here. Your skills are exactly what they're looking for. So I phoned the hiring manager and I said, oh, this is a weird one. Um, this candidate's applied for you three times, um, but she's been rejected, you know. But to me, she looks really suitable. So I sent her CV, and he phoned me back and he said, Natalie, I've never seen this candidate's CV, you know. And that's when I realised it's there is hiring manager bias, absolutely, but there's an issue with these people being filtered out before they even get there. So she was taken on the returners program. She's been promoted three times. So she, she was probably our, our first returner placed in 2017. She's been promoted three times and she's an absolute star. And she is a candidate who had tried so hard to apply for this particular company and had given up thinking that actually they're not interested in her skills, you know, and I I guess before I would have thought, oh, you know, that's the hiring manager being biased and um, and not taking her forward because she's had a career break. But in actual fact, he'd never even got the CV. So what's happening is they're being filtered out at application stage. Now, I think a key reason for that is, say, um, an organisation, you know, a lot of, engine, probably majority of engineering organisations work with recruitment consultants or recruitment agencies. And, you know, if you think, actually, as a recruiter, I've got to send my best three or top three CVs, um, you know, you can't send everybody, obviously, who applies. I think the career break candidate gets filtered out at that stage. Um There is unconscious bias, Um, you know. There is unconscious bias. Well, we all we all have unconscious bias, Um, but you know, I think assumptions are made about when somebody has a career break and whether they have had a deterioration of skills. Um, And and you know, eventually, as I said, these candidates just stop applying. So they try really hard and they stop applying, and then they go and do something else. Or often we find returners have managed to return and they're grateful to return, but they've returned in a much less capacity. So. We've just placed a project engineer who had managed to return um, after a three year career break into engineering, but she'd managed to return into admin. And she was she was grateful. She was grateful to have a job. But, you know, part of this is returning them back to where they should be. So she's now a project engineer with another partner organisation, you know, back to doing what she's trained to do.
0: So talk us through a little bit about what your organisation does. So how do you help these candidates and how do you help the the hiring organisations?
1: Yeah, so the key key thing is removing those barriers. And, um, you know, really the biggest barrier is just making sure that these returners are viewed by the hiring managers, because they just don't seem to be getting through the process. So what we're trying to do is, is strip all of that, kind of through recruitment process away we partner with an organization they let us know what what skills they're looking for they work with hiring managers that they know are going to be able to provide additional support um and then you know really we just provide that bridge between the the returner and the hiring manager returners are low confidence by nature you know so they've often had a lot of rejections and, and knockbacks so we work with them to make sure that they um you know, they're in the right space to start this 12 week placement um, and that they have the support that they need. So we provide coaching support. They get an industry mentor through Women's Engineering Society. And um, that 12 weeks is a period of time where they can get their, you know, increase their skills and knowledge, get themselves up to speed. And then at the end of that, they always have an opportunity to get a permanent position. So we'd, we'd never work with an organization that was looking... Um, just to provide somebody work experience, because although work experience is valuable, the returners end up in exactly the same position at, at the end of that. So there's always the opportunity for a permanent role. And actually, of all programmes, 186 engineers, we've returned now, 96% of those have all gone into permanent work at the end of the placement.
0: Fantastic stuff. I mean, that's uh, that's amazing and absolutely brilliant that you have an organization doing that. This is an issue that has it seems to come up time and time again. And it's something that I've kind of experienced within my own family and, and friends, this kind of bias against people who want to return to their career and the, the incorrect assumptions that are made. And it it just does seem crazy at a time when there are such skill shortages and finding experienced talent can be can be very, very difficult. What would your advice be to to talent acquisition leaders, to HR departments, to 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 employers, in terms of how they can stop this happening and how they can sort of fully embrace this this amazing talent pool?
1: So, I'd I definitely say to firstly to include returners in your shortlist. You know, I think if you are looking to send you, you know, your top three or five to your client, actually have that conversation with them up front and say, you know, would you be interested in seeing somebody after a career break? And, and make sure that they're included in, in your shortlist. I'd also really challenge hiring managers. You know, hiring managers um, are very good at saying, you know, what they want and giving you a long list, unicorn candidate, you know, actually challenging um, some of those and some of that experience. And actually, could somebody transfer, you know, if we're looking, for example, for a mechanical design engineer as a returner to go into a shipbuilding company we will always find a mechanical design engineer but they might not be from shipbuilding they might be from aerospace or automotive you know but they've got those skills that that they can transfer in and you know as well as returning transferring is incredibly difficult as well so you know what what you know i'd really get them to challenge and ask what what skills are transferable and also ask about your client's diversity initiatives you know what are they doing in in diversity how are they how are they how are they, what are they doing to actively um, attract diverse candidates? Because obviously looking at at returners and transferable skills is a really, really good way to do that. And then I think a big one is to create adverts and not job specs. If you look on um, any kind of job board, you will see a long list of of technical job specs and, and no real adverts, you know, kind of attracting somebody to work for a particular organization. Now, when somebody puts out a long technical job spec, Bearing in mind I've said that these these candidates are low confidence. They just don't apply. They they talk themselves out of it and think, you know, actually I'm not suitable for that. I have I have people talking themselves out of um, suitability of a returner's role you know and, and I, I probably have two or three bullet points of things that they they'd need to have you know we, we we don't use job specs we really just try and um attract people with the right skills to come through
0: so final question where can people find out more about what you do and where can they connect to you
1: so um our website is www.stemreturners.com so there's lots of stuff on there there's lots of stuff and um, lots of blogs um you know about returners that have successfully returned and and how they found it. Um, I'm on LinkedIn as well, so it'd be great to to link in with anyone. I'm just Natalie Desty, and STEM Returners is on LinkedIn as well.
0: Fantastic stuff. Natalie, thanks very much for talking to me.
1: No, Matt, it was a pleasure.
0: My thanks to Natalie. You can subscribe to this podcast in Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, or via your podcasting app of choice. Please also follow the show on Instagram. You can find us by searching for Recruiting Future. You can search all the past episodes at recruitingfuture.com. On that site, you can also subscribe to the mailing list to get the inside track about everything that's coming up on the show. Thanks very much for listening. I'll be back next time, and I hope You'll join me.
1: This is my show.
0: How much do you understand